0: Area 10 Faith Community meets in the historic Bird Theater in Carytown in Richmond, Virginia. As of August 2nd, we have resumed in-person worship services on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are committed to the health and safety of our families and will continue to offer our simultaneous live stream at youtube.com slash area 10 Community. We hope you'll join us at the Bird Theater again soon, but in the meantime, we're providing the best possible online experience we can for you. Now, on to this week's message. Yesterday morning, my wife and I went out for breakfast, and one of the items that they had on the menu, we were kind of looking, trying to figure what they, what they, uh, what we were going to get, and one of the things that was on the menu was biscuits and gravy, with hash browns on top of it with cheese. Uh, right? That's what I said. I was like, man, what? All these things in one place. This is incredible. Um, and I said to her, I was like, wow. I mean, that, that that sounds amazing, you know. And and she said, oh no, I don't, I don't. I don't, I, w- I don't want that, um, I don't want cheese on hash browns, and, um, and, and, and I was like, Are cheese, awesome, potato product, awesome, I mean, together, like, so much awesome, that's the way I'm thinking about it, you know, I was like, come on, it's basically like cheese fries, and this woman that I love, who bore my children, who, we, I mean, we, I, you, you think you know a person, and she says, Oh no, I don't. I don't like that. I don't. I don't like cheese fries. And then she said, "I don't like anything loaded." So like, I mean, we we haven't even gotten to sour cream chives and bacon and ranch. She's like, "I don't like things that are loaded." Now the 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 knucklehead side of me was like, "Well, then you don't like sour cream chives bacon. You don't like the dishwasher. You don't like that dude from college." Like, th- there's lots of loaded things. Like, so so. The truth is, the truth is, it's an opinion and it's fine. You can have your preference. You, you don't like cheese fries, I like cheese fries, we're good here, there's nothing really at stake here. But there are topics that you come up against in life where it's not just about... I like this, and I prefer this, and well, this is my truth, and this is my truth, that kind of thing. Like, there are topics you come up against that are, that are, that are bigger than that, and that speak to larger realities. Like, if you had said to me, if, if, if we were talking about cheese fries, and you said, hey, Chris, here's what I found out. Cheese fries are a health food. They're really good for you. Well, now I'm really curious, because I want to know, like, your sources uh, actually, literally, I want to know your source. Like, if, if they are good, someone let me know. Uh, I want to know your sources, oh, and then and then I'll critique your sources. Well, you're listening to this nutritionist who says this, and I don't agree with him, or he, she's not right, or whatever. Like, oh, and then I'll give you my sources of why I think it's unhealthy, and then we'll go back and forth, and we can do this all day. Because now we're not talking about personal preferences. We are talking about this is the way things are in the actual world. This is the reality of the thing. This corresponds to reality and truth with a capital T. Cheese fries are not healthy. You can make the claim that they are healthy, but you better back that up because we're talking about big truth and how things are in the real world. We're not just talking about preferences anymore. And I, and I bring all of that up, and this, this will maybe seem like a, uh, um, a, 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 a weird... Transition. I bring all that up because I think I think some of this this kind of shows up as a problem of epistemology. Epistemology is the study of how we know what we know. And if you say cheese fries are healthy, I want to know how you know what you know. You claim to know it. Now it matters how you know what you know. And. Historically, when we start talking about good and bad and evil and right and wrong and all of those sort of things and ethics and values and the way life is and we start talking about all that stuff, historically we have we have kind of shifted, especially in the West in this country. Because you know, millennia ago, the way you knew something was right. And true and good was because the gods had decided, or fate had decided. The oracle at Delphi had told, had told the people, and this is what we believe. We all believe that what is true is because it came from the fate, or, or the gods. If we were in the Middle Ages and we said, how do I know what I know? How do I know what is true? We, would, we might in the West have said something about the Bible, or the Scripture, or God, or Jesus, or something like that, and said, well, this is true because the Lord has revealed it to us. Maybe a more modern version of that, you may have heard, you may have said this, you may have heard your parents say this, you may have heard this in, in American culture, even in the last 50 years. You may have said something or heard something like, well, God said it, you know, the Bible says it, and I believe it, and that settles it. Well, that is a way of knowing truth, right? You're saying, well, there's this other thing, I ascribe to it, it, it says it, I believe it, we're done here. But there has been this, like, epistemology sort of shift. With people over the last decade or decades, uh, and it's been going on for a while, but but you, you, you see it strongly in the last 10 years probably, where uh, people now kind of go, well, I know it because I know it, or I know it because it is my truth. Not truth, it is my truth. I, I believe it because it, it's, it's some version of, it's not that the gods have said it or that God says it or whatever, it's just, it, I believe it, it's my truth, it's what I want, it is my um, it is my, my preference. Um, it's right because I I say it is. Or maybe we'll say something like, to give that some credibility, we'll, we'll say something like, I trust the science. Trusting the science has taken a beating over the last year, um, probably unfairly at times and probably fairly at times, because the, the challenge when, when we pin our beliefs, especially uh, on things like ethics or values or whatever, when we pin those to science is um, one, science is pretty fluid and changes a lot and at the nature of the scientific method and kind of going back and researching. And so whatever we're pinned to today may not be true five years from now or ten years from now. So it's moving a lot. Uh, that 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 is true. And and secondly, science doesn't speak to a lot of important things. It is good in its area, but it doesn't speak to you know, being in love. It doesn't speak to justice issues. It doesn't speak to, you know, greed and generosity and and, and things that you might deal with in life. Science doesn't have a lot to say about those things. And so we have to, um, we we need something else to refer to or to connect to when we talk about big issues. Now, all of that, um, the idea of how we know what we know, I want you to keep in the back of your mind for everything I'm going to say after this. Because, and, I, and I bring all that up because I want to talk about a, a controversial topic today uh, that, that's pretty heavy, and it is a topic that we all have experience with, and it's the topic you come preloaded as soon as I say the words, you have, this is going to kick up all sorts of things for you, um, and, I, and I want you to be able to step back from it as we talk about it and go, wait a second, how do I know what I know? All my presuppositions, all my beliefs were formed in what way? How do I actually know what I know? Uh, Today's topic is homosexuality. I haven't spoken about this from this stage in an entire message since 2014. So it has been a while, and I think we can agree that things have shifted in culture since 2014. In two thousand and fourteen, the Oberschfeld decision of uh, making gay marriage legal nationwide was was a year away. It happened in June of two thousand and fifteen uh, and Since that time, a lot of things have shifted um, a- a- about truth, about how we know what we know, about about what is right, what is wrong. Uh, a lot of things have shifted in culture around sexuality, sex gender, attraction, preferences. Um, and whenever I have conversations with people about this, because sometimes people want to, you know, let's talk about this or where are you at with this, um, all of those conversations about those things end up back in this place of, but how do you know what you know? How do you know where you're standing is connected to any sort of, of truth? And, and who gets to decide what is true? Um, is truth defined by your personal preference or my personal preference? I like it this way. I prefer this. Is it like, do you like cheese fries or not? Or is truth something that is defined by something larger than us? Is there a bigger story that we are connected to? And so I want us to keep this in mind as we Examine this, and uh, we're going to dive into First Corinthians six into one of the most contentious scriptures in the New Testament. The verses I want to read to you have been used. Well, we'll get to them in a second. Don't put them up there yet. The use, the, the scripture I want to read to you are, have been used and abused, misused and abused for uh, for millennia, I think. Um, And so uh, we have to be careful as we go into them and and read them well, um, because people have been hurt by things that we're going to read today, Um, and people have had a lot of anguish and pain over things that we're going to read today. And so as we go into this, a couple things I want you to know. One, um, I tread lightly here. Uh, I don't want to pile on anybody for anything. I I suppose there are preachers or churches uh, where people really get the some joy out of, like, you know, I really told them, I, I gave it to, you know, I really stuck it to people today. They really heard the, the hard truth and all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm not one of those people that enjoys that. Um, it, 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 it is hard to deliver hard truth to, to the culture. It is hard to point out things in the culture and say, hey, let's look at this, let's talk about this. This is a challenge. Um, so I, I, I have to wrestle with my own heart on these things when I speak to you. A lot of people ask me, they're like, oh man, I, 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 I hate public speaking. I, it must be so hard to get up there and talk in front of people. No, the, the, the talking in front of people is not the hard part for me. Uh, I don't get all like incredibly nervous or whatever. Uh, the hard part is wrestling with God on these things for weeks before I ever get up and talk about it. So whatever tough thing we're going to talk about today, I have already had to do work on it in my own heart um, leading into leading into this, this morning, and that, so I'm trying to tread lightly with that, um, and, and the second thing I want you to hear is I really want to get this right. Um, I, I don't want to add to the hurt for people. Um, the church, with a capital C in, in, throughout history, has, has hurt people with Scripture, and so uh, I don't want to do that. I have prayed going into this morning that God help me to, to speak truth and love and to speak it well um, and other people in this church actually knew that I was talking about this today, so they have prayed for me. So the church in Corinth that we've been looking at in this in this series, in the previous series, uh, in the letter in 1 Corinthians, the church is kind of a buckwild church in in the New Testament. Uh, in the, the year roughly 54 AD, Paul writes this letter to them, and he's addressing a lot of things that are going on. They're, they're having a hard time staying together, there's a lack of unity, there's some sexual things going on. We, we started talking about that last week. Um, so this message today is kind of a continuation of where we started last week. Um, and, and he's going to open in 1 Corinthians 6. He's going to talk about judgment. Uh, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. He, he talked about not taking each other to court uh, in the beginning of 1 Corinthians 6. Uh, I'm not going to go into all that. You can read that on your own. A lot of you have a reading plan and kind of following along. You can read that. Uh, that kind of ties into things we talked about earlier. But then in 1 Corinthians 6, uh, Chapter 6, verse 9, he says this, and this uh, this is the tough text. He says this, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Okay. When you read that, that probably kicks up some things for you. Right? There's a lot of hot-button topics. There's a lot of words in there that are... That are um, that are fully loaded, like th- some of those words come with sour cream, chives, and bacon. Like they're, all of the things are, are in there for us. Uh, so I want to talk about what, what those verses are not doing. Paul is not saying that if you struggle with any of these things, you're out. He's saying the kingdom of God, which is this relationship with God that we start now and goes on through eternity, where, where we are following him, obeying him, being in relationship with him, uh, that is... It, um, he's not saying that strugglers are not allowed in the kingdom of God. He's talking about people who have no interest in following God and they're pursuing behaviors that pull them away from God and they're not struggling with those things. They're actually just saying, I want those things and I want to walk away from God. I have no interest. And he's saying, if if this is the road you want to go down and continue to go down, you will not be connected to God for eternity. That's what he's pushing. There's a big difference between I'm struggle. i trying to follow God and be obedient to Jesus, but I struggle in these areas. There's a difference between that and saying, I'm not interested in following after God. He's talking about people who are not interested in following after God, and he's giving um, a couple examples. Now, as you read that text, that really what it should do for us is it it really is a great leveler. It is a whole list of things that that you read and you go, okay, well, You know, you you might go like, check, I've done that. Check, I've been into that. Nope, not into that. Nope, that's weird. I wouldn't do that. No, like you, you, all these things sort of kick up for us. Like, wow, that's kind of weird. Like, I'm into that. I was never into that. You know, whatever. Um, It should be a leveler for us. Paul says in Romans 3 that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And in 1 Corinthians 6, he's naming those sins. He's saying, uh, you know, we've all dealt with some version of, and then he goes through some things. Now, a couple of them are sexual in nature. He talks about the sexually immoral. We talked about that last week. That's the Greek word pornea, uh, from which we get our word porn, pornography. Um, so it, he's not, he's not just talking about, obviously, internet or, uh, print, you know, that kind of thing, but that, that could be included in there. It's sex outside of the context of marriage. So wherever that shows up, um, he, that's covered in the term sexually immoral. He gives some other examples there. He says adulterers. I think we understand what that means, cheating on your spouse sexually outside of your marriage. Um, he gives other examples I, that are, that, oh, and he also says men who practice homosexuality. I'll come back to that one. Um, so he gives a couple that are sexual in nature and then stuff that isn't sexual in nature, talking about, um, Being thieves, stealing, right? Um, Drunkards, swindlers, uh, gives a couple things, uh, uh, and 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 when you read that list, um, we we shouldn't read it and go like, um, well, I don't, I, you know, uh, man, those people over there are bad. Man, those people struggle with those things. Nobody who's an adulterer should read the list and go, well, at least I'm not greedy because that's on the list and you greedy people need it together. And nobody who drinks too much should read the list and go, well, I don't commit adultery, at least I'm not doing that. The point of the list is not to make us, any of us, feel judgmental about anybody else. The point of the list is to is to sort of level the playing field and and all of us can go, I see a piece of my humanity in there and I, I see things that I've struggled with. Um, and 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 I and I am and you are beggars in need of the grace of God, and 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 beggars who who who, who need to show gratitude for what God is doing, and and has done. Um, the, the, none of those should be used to beat anybody anybody down. Um, so let me talk about that phrase in there. Uh, men who practice homosexuality is the way that's translated. In, in English. And, and, and when I do this, uh, I, I don't want to overdo it. Um, I, I think there's the perception that the church is always banging on about this topic. Um, that hasn't been my experience, and that isn't the experience of almost every church that I know and am connected to. That isn't to say there aren't churches that probably bang on about this topic too much. Um, I, I, if I've only done this in a sermon once fully in 2014 and now seven years later, I'm probably... Not banging on about it too much, um, but it's in there, and we need to talk about it um, and and to be clear. Um, so I, I, I know I run the risk of, of bringing it up um, that that it'll sound like well why are you why are you emphasizing just that one, but I also think and I and I think you know this this is a huge issue in our culture. Um, it, it is something that is talked about and and and. Taught in schools and in workplaces, and like sex and sexuality, homosexuality, LGBT, all of these kind of issues. These things are are very prominent in the modern American Western world, and so we need to talk about them because it, it's it's out there now. Um, uh, it, it's. It's very easy to talk about a group of people and lump them all in together to say, um, so this will say men who practice homosexuality and go, yes, oh yeah, that's those people, that's not me, or to say, um, you know, all black people or all white people or all Asian people or whatever, and it's very easy to stereotype a group and assume that everybody in the group believes exactly the same way, and I think we all know that's not true, Right? The truth is there's a wide variety of people in all of these categories who believe different things and they have different choices and preferences and and, and different ways of approaching all of this stuff. So I want to remember that people are individuals. And as I wrote this, I was trying to think of individuals that I know um, and, 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 and we are all individuals created by God and, and, and loved by him. So in the ESV translation that we just read in English, it says um, men who practice homosexuality. Uh, there are other translations of, of that. Um, the NIV translation was very popular in America. The, the one that was written in 1984, which is like the Bible I grew up on, uh, for this phrase, men who practice homosexuality, it says homosexual offenders. Um, that's not, that's not very good. It's really poorly done. Uh, they were like, you're offending homosexual people. You're the offender that is talking about. No, like, that, That's not well done. In fact, the NIV was sued by someone for like millions of dollars for that phrase. They didn't win the lawsuit, but it, was like, it made the NIV committee kind of go back and go, there's a better way to translate this, and they translate it as men who have sex with other men is the way they translated this. Um, the King James from the 1600s Uh, This verse says, nor the effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. That's not helpful. Um, I I don't know what that's going on about. Uh, Okay. Um, This is one of these that to understand it, you have to understand what it says in Greek. I am not the Bible teacher that believes you need to know Greek all the time. 99% of the time, the English translation of the Greek gets it right and it's useful and it's helpful. But anytime you're going from another language into this language, you are always approximating. How do I get the words kind of right to understand the full meaning of this word? And in Greek, uh, there are two words... Uh, that that show up in this this phrase that's translated men who practice homosexuality. One is arsenokoite or koitas, uh, and the other is malakoi, and I want you to understand how those words work. Um, Arsenokoitas or arsenokoite is a word uh, that is describing uh, sexual activity, um, and it it actually, uh, so Paul, when he writes this, he is using a word that was never used in the ancient world. Basically, Paul is making up a word here. Okay, this is, you don't see this in anywhere else in Greek literature, but he's taking two words and mashing them together. It's almost like a euphemism, okay? And so the words he's using are arsino, which is man, and koite, which is bed. So he's saying man bedding. Um, now, it, 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 we would kind of have that in our culture if you said, I'm trying to bed someone. You don't mean you're trying to I mean, maybe you are trying to physically get them in a bed, but it is a euphemism for sex, right? And he's using it in a similar way. He's saying man bedding, and he's talking about sexual behavior. It's it's, it's Actually, it shows up in the Greek version of the Old Testament as well in Leviticus, and and a lot of scholars believe Paul's kind of making a commentary on those verses. Um, So he's talking about sexual behavior, and this is key. Listen, not attraction. He's not talking about are men attracted to one another. He's talking about are they having sex with one another. This is why the word homosexual, in translated here, is not all that helpful, because when we hear the word homosexual, we think attraction, right? That's kind of the modern usage of, oh, it's people who are attracted to the same sex. And so when you read it there, you go, he must be talking about people. No, he's not talking about people who are attracted. He's talking about behavior. What are people doing? Um, And I have seen articles on the internet. I've seen people share them. There are people who are part of this church that have shared them as well. And I have seen all this stuff where where people go, guys, the word is wrong, homosexual is wrong. That word wasn't added till 1946. And everybody, see, everybody before that got it wrong. You know, we need to change it and and have a better understanding. Okay, pause for a sec. We as followers of Jesus, and I know that's not everybody in this room, but if you were a follower of Jesus, we, we need to be discerning about what we read and what is true and and, kind of dig in. And don't just um, believe something because we want it to be true. We all have that desirability bias. I want this to be true, therefore it is, right? Um, So we have to be very careful here. And so... uh, I read these articles and say, oh, well, you know, homosexuality wasn't added into the English Bible until 1946, therefore it's wrong. Any article you read that that says about the scripture, and this is probably true about a lot of disciplines and a lot of areas, any article that says everybody before me for thousands of years has been wrong, but I have it right on my blog post, just pump the brakes on that for a second, okay? (laughs) Right? Like, hold on. Even if they have whatever letters behind their name or whatever, like, hold on. There's a reason that people translated this the way that they did. Um, and, and it's not just because everybody in history was a homophobe or everybody was patriarchal, and therefore these translate. Like, that's not always the case, and so we need to be careful when we get into that before we change something go, like, what, what is that about? What's going on there? Um, so th- this phrase, um is, is a, a, that, that he's translating into homosexuality, uh, that may throw you off a little bit, but but try to keep in mind that what it actually is saying is it's talking about uh, men having sex with other men uh, and sexual behavior, not not attraction. Okay. Um, regard, and that's what it says in Greek, regardless of whatever English word you want to attach to it. The other word in Greek that shows up there is malakoi. Um, malakoi in the ancient world has three meanings that would have been known in Paul's day. One would be a Malachoy is someone who's just uh, lives an excessive lifestyle of partying and drinking and just a, a part, we might say like a party animal, okay? Um, secondly, uh, the, the, the name Malachoy can mean a, a man who's overly feminine or dresses feminine or just like this like strong gender-bending thing, malakoy. Um And then the third... Uh, usage of this, um, and I'll I'll try to be subtle about this. The third usage of malakoi would be the um, more on the receiving end of male sexual activity, the the partner who's more on the receiving end, okay? That's a malakoi. Now, scholars debate which exactly Paul means here um, but, but when you compare it to the other verses in the Scripture that talk about this, um, it seems to be he's leaning towards the third meaning of that. that and, and so when you piece that together with arsenokoitas, you get this picture of um, both partners in a same-sex sexual relationship is what he's going for. And, and Paul is saying these things are outside the lines of God's design for human sexuality and in, in mankind. Um, Now, some people want to argue here that, and you'll see this argument online in various places, that, no, no, this is talking about old men and young boys, because in the Roman Empire, in the Roman culture, there was this sexual behavior that would happen between men and boys, and so he's really um, condemning pedophiles here, something like that. Um, I, I think that's a poor understanding of what Paul's saying here. Uh, there's a very good word in Greek Paul could have used for exactly that behavior. He didn't have to make up words to describe that. There are words for that, and he doesn't use that in this situation. He's, he's trying to get at um, same-sex sexual behavior. Now, in the church, so that, that's what I, what I think the, the Scripture means, or what it, what it says. Uh, let's talk about what it means for us, and, and then we'll kind of pull this all together and wrap it up. Um, in the church, in this church, there are differing views on homosexuality. And there are differing views on what does faithfulness to God look like in, for gay men and women, for uh, couples, you know, all, all that. Um, it's really interesting. The first time I taught this, I had several people come up to me when they knew I was going to teach on it. They said, uh, Chris, do you think, because they want to know what I'm about to say, like, do you think people are born this way or that they chose to be this way? And I was like, <laughs> funny for me, the, the minister guy to, to be starting to talk about binaries and stuff, but I was like, I think that's a false binary on this. I think it's a lot more complicated than that. Our, our sexual preferences and that kind of thing, like, there's a lot of things that kind of go in there, right? Like, in your grocery bag, there's a lot of different groceries in there on, in the bag of sexuality, Right? Um, so it's it's not as simple as, well, I was just born this way or I chose this. Uh, I, I've known, you've probably known, um, people who from the earliest age of, of they recall any attraction, they said, I've only ever been attracted to the same gender, right? Um, and then there are people that have dealt with sexual abuse and s- sort of promiscuous things, different things that have gone on in their life that, that they... Af- from that point forward, they kind of changed direction, and they said, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm uncomfortable with that, I'm, I'm more comfortable over here. Um, and, and, and actually, a, a lesbian friend I was talking to before I taught on this the first time, she said, oh, that's, that's a well-known thing in the lesbian community, and we know the difference of people who feel like they are born this way versus people who had gone through a traumatic experience, and then they're, but she was basically like, and we don't care, it's just sort of like, whatever, you're on the team, that, that's fine. Um, which, which, I, which I understand and, and appreciated her feedback. But I, I think within the church we have a lot of different types. We have people uh, we have had in this church and, and maybe currently have people in this church who, uh, who would say I, from birth I've always been attracted to the same sex, and I'm going to pursue that and, and pursue a lifelong relationship that way, we have other people who say, "I've always been attracted to the same sex, um, and I'm not going to pursue that because I think faithfulness to God requires me to not go down that route." Uh, for some people, they choose celibacy and say, I'm, "I'm walking away from sexual behavior as a way to be faithful to God." Uh, I know people who have been um, uh, who are attracted to the same sex but married to the opposite sex, um, and they said, "Okay," um, which. Right now, the thing that kicks up in your head, probably for a lot of people, because I've talked to people on this, is they go, they're living a lie. Well, not if they're open about it, it's not a lie. Um, and also, um, it is very possible to love someone of the opposite sex, even if, even if some of your attractions draw you more towards the same sex. And so there's a range of people, and so just to speak any one thing and think it threads the needle for every group and everybody, and then there's all the people who are like friends with people. Well, I have this friend that's this way, and, like, and there's my family member, and there's my brother, and there's my cousin, and there's all these things. To, to say any one thing that would thread the needle and speak to all of those different groups... It's difficult, and, 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 I, and I can't get up here and just say, um, you know, well, you're just all wrong over here, and you're right over here, and I'm just going to choose these people or whatever. I, I'm trying to be as faithful to the text and, and, and as faithful to how do we, how do we walk this out, because it's complicated inside the church. It's complicated outside the church. I, I, I listened to a podcast a couple weeks ago, and this lady's a, a lesbian, and she was talking about, um, she was talking about the, the lack of lesbian bars in America. I did not know this. Uh, she said that in the early 2000s, there were hundreds of lesbian bars in America. And nationwide, there are now less than 20. One of them is blocks from here. Less than 20. And she said, um, she was sort of like, this was not a, a, a religious person by her own admittance. Um, she was just saying, like, uh, the, like, lesbians are dying out. I was like, what is going on um, with that. And, and she was talking about how um, a, a lot of girls who, who might grow up to be lesbian are told at a very young age, well, actually, you're just a boy trapped in a woman's body. And so there's a, a, a big shift going on there. And so uh, that's complicated, right? Uh, so it's not just complicated inside the church. It's complicated outside the church as well. Like, th- there's a lot of stuff swirling around in culture um, in this. So if, if I could deliver a, a consistent message to people who are wrestling through this either personally with same-sex attraction or um, as a church or you have friends or a family member or a child or whatever um, I, when you've got all these people coming from different views if I could personally just deliver this message this is what I want to say number one you are loved you are loved and this is true as you read the list in first Corinthians 6 it's true no matter where you fit in there this is true whether you're same-sex attracted. This is true um, whether you, you know, you're, uh, you've cheated on someone. This is true whether you've swindled people, you drink too much, you're addicted to pornography. Like, whatever is going on in, in your life, um, you're loved. And the church historically has done a, fairly bad job of telling people that they're loved by God, and they've done a pretty bad job of showing people that they're loved by God. Um, and I hope the truth of that shines through the glass, even if the glass is a little bit foggy at times. Um, no matter wh- whatever you've got going on, whatever, when I read that list, whatever point makes you uncomfortable, even in that point, God knows you there and loves you. And, and as I once heard Brendan Manning say, there's nothing you will ever do that will make God love you more and there's nothing you will ever do that will make God love you less. And so um, you are loved by God exactly in the, in the situation that you're in and whatever, wherever this kind of hits you. Um, and I think that's important to remember. Um, in conversations with gay friends that I've had over the years, uh, where they, they know where I stand, I know where they stand, we've, we've had these conversations that kind of, kinda, you know, not online, but in reality, you know, sitting down over coffee or beer or something like that, and we talk um, a lot of times um, where, I, where I end up is I, I want people to know that they're loved by God and that um, God is going to do uh, work on them and wants to be in a relationship with them. They're, they're, all of our sexuality and our sexual preferences and all those kind of things, those are important, but they're not the, the main thing. The main thing is get with Jesus and know him and, 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 and be in relationship with him. And he will go to work on things in your life. And it's going to look one way for you, look a different way for me, but he's going to go to work on all of us. Um, and, and, and I want you to understand that. Get right with Jesus and just see where he takes you in this. Anything who, anyone who's wrestling with anything in this room right now, you're a child of God. Meet him. Know him. Experience his love and power. Um, will he challenge you? Of course. Of course. The best relationships will. And this is one of the best relationships. So, so get to know him and, and let him do the work and, and remember you are loved. And, and the second thing I want you to hear on this topic is this. There is hope. There is hope. Uh, l- listen again to the text. This, I want to read it to you again. First Corinthians 6, uh, we'll put verse 9 up, uh, up there. Or Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. all we have ever been is not all we are ever going to be. It tells us that change is possible. Such were some of you. Not everybody was everything, but you were. And you can be something else. You were washed. You get baptized into Christ. He washes your sins away and you become clean. The God Spirit lives inside of you and he goes to work on you. That work he does on you is called sanctification. He starts to make you more into the image of Christ as you get older and as you learn more and grow. Uh, this is a process. Change is not easy. It's painful. It's hard. It's long. It's arduous. It's, I, I've spent a good portion of my adult life thinking about how to change myself and how to help other people change. I'm I'm invested in it, and I know God's work and his spirit does something there. It is possible. Change is possible. That doesn't mean, if homosexuality is a thing, it doesn't mean one day you're just gonna like pray it away or something like that, and one day you're gonna be, now I'm no longer attracted. It doesn't mean that. The gospel is not God can make you straight, but rather, God can make you Holy. And that's true no matter what issue that we're, we're struggling with. Um, God can make us holy and change us. Let me give you some resources on this and then we're done. Number one, uh, a guy I've learned a ton about who I think handles this with, with the truth of Scripture but is very gracious in the way he talks. And he talks to parents and teenagers and um, he's all in the transgender conversation right now. All that is a guy named Preston Sprinkle. He is a theologian, uh, teacher. Um, He's out in Idaho. And um, he has a website, Prestonsprinkle.com. You can go, and there's a lot of resources there. He's got some good books. His podcast is called Theology in the Raw, there's a lot of good interviews and conversations he has there. Um, I really have learned a lot from him on this topic, uh, and I think it's, it's very good. A second one that I want to give you um, is livingout.org. Livingout.org is written from three pastors in England who um, are all same-sex attracted but um, are married to w- women. Uh, and they have a ton to say there. There's a lot of resources, really good. Particularly, Sam Alberry, uh is one of the main voices there. Uh, he's very good on this, and if you can listen to some of his stuff, he will challenge. Whether you're same-sex attracted or not, he will challenge you to be a better follower of Jesus in, in just in, in how he talks. And 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 so there's a lot of great things uh, that are on there. And then finally, uh, we're going to teach a class. On this through the summer that actually comes from Preston Sprinkle uh, and the class is called Grace and Truth um, and Topher and Leanne will be teaching that. It's going to start July 12th on Monday nights and it's an 8 or 10 week class um, and it goes through a lot of the issues around sexuality. This class is aimed at Teenagers, parents, um, everybody who's, who's connected to this issue, has friends, different things going on, uh, if you're same-sex attracted, there's just, it's a deeper dive than what I could do here in a few minutes. And so uh, I think you'll get a ton out of that, and uh, there's a lot of good things there. So please sign up for that class. It's going to be so good. Uh, there's a lot of video stuff that comes from Preston Sprinkles Ministry that we're going to use um, in that class this, this summer um, so those are some resources to help as, as we continue the conversation which you will probably start over lunch today and then we'll, you know, we'll continue on um, I just want to close out um, here by praying because uh, obviously there's a lot of heaviness that goes around this topic um, but uh, I, w- I want to pray, pray for all of us as we, as we, as we go home and, and process it today so let's pray uh, Lord Jesus you promised us that truth would set us free that is true of easy truth, and that is also true of the hard truth, um, that when we align ourselves with the way you created the world, um, we can be set free. God, um, I, I pray now for so many who feel not free. They feel enslaved and chained to all sorts of things. And so God, I, I pray that um, there's an opportunity here to, for your spirit to go to work can change us, that all we have been is not all we will ever be, that there is hope and there is a future. God, as we digest this and, and try to think through it well, um, God, may we move our lives more and more in line with you um, as, as the one who reveals truth to us. God, may we all uh, put an arm around someone and love and be a a space for someone to talk through their struggles. God, may we confess our sins and be the ones who are confessed to so that we can be healed and be healthy and whole. Thank you, Lord, for the truth of Scripture, even the tough stuff. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.